Welcome back to the Pardon My Pancreas podcast. Now, in this episode, I want to talk about something that I am currently going through, and that is how to start exercising, especially as a type 1 diabetic, when it might have been a little while since you've exercised in the past. Maybe you've been a bit sedentary. Maybe you work an office job and you're just starting to get back into the exercise. I want to help you understand what to watch out for and how to plan ahead properly. All right, so let's get to our theme song. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. So, as you may know, uh, about six weeks ago now, I think, uh, I had surgery, right? And I'm a very active person. I've been working out consistently since I was in junior high. Long time. And before that, played team sports. My whole life been very, very active. Uh, I've probably been going to the gym consistently since high school. Nah, college. Definitely since college. <laughs> but, obviously, recent times have changed things up. I haven't been to a gym in this... This really actually pains me to say this. It's it's harsh. Uh, I haven't been to an actual gym location in seven months, going on eight months, which is insane to think about for me. But because of my surgery, I couldn't even do my at-home workouts, which is what I had been doing during the stay-at-home thing, right? And uh, with this huge break in exercise, obviously, beginning of the stay-at-home initiative, I saw different needs for insulin, different responses to different blood sugar variables as a result of no longer weight training. My muscles are no longer getting taxed in the same way they used to be, no longer as, uh, as much of demand being placed on them on a daily basis. And so as a result, I required more insulin throughout my days. And uh, it's unfortunate that I didn't have access to a gym, but that's the reality of it. You know, I, I kept working out at home, did my best to adjust my insulin needs, my basal, my bolus, and, and prepare for what was gonna be ahead. Didn't know how long it was gonna last. This is a long time now. But with that surgery coming up, or that did happen, I had to go a significant amount of time without exercising at all. So no lifting. I couldn't lift anything over 15 pounds, <laughs> which is nuts, because you know asking your wife to pick up the vacuum because you can't lift it, that's embarrassing. So. Uh, thankfully, made it through that process, everything healed up great, I feel amazing, I'm back to, I want to say 100%, but I'm not, because I got to build my strength back up, my endurance. So from a physical fitness perspective, I am not yet back at that 100%. I'm going to tell you a bit about my story of re-entering that world of fitness. And it's going to pertain to you because you might not have a consistent workout right now. Maybe you're starting to get back into exercise, right? Maybe you're starting to do at-home workouts. Maybe you've got the virtual workout set up with, you know, cycling on, uh, what do they call them, Peloton. You have like the virtual trainer, which is pretty cool. Uh, but whatever it is, if you are starting your fitness journey, if you've been working in an office for a long time and haven't exercised in forever, if you are a couch potato and you watch Netflix all the time and you're like, all right, this is the time of my life. I'm going to get my life back together and get fit, right? There's a few things you got to watch out for. And I want to make sure that you're well prepared for that. So. Coming out of that surgery, uh, I was supposed to wait three weeks where I couldn't lift anything over 15 pounds. 
I decided to wait an extra week to make it an even month. It's like, you know what? I want to go a full month without exercising because in typical Matt fashion, I want to run an experiment. <laughs> and I get so excited about these. So I'm like, all right, we're going to run an experiment to see what happens, A, in that period of time where I can't work out, and B, when that ends, what happens when I start working out again, right? So in that period of time where I couldn't work out, I was still physically active. I was still going for walks. I was still going for hikes. I was told by my surgeon to push myself to the level of pain that I could withstand. Reason being is I'm breaking apart scar tissue, making sure that I'm not uh, healing in a manner where I feel stuck and I can't stretch, right? So I had to break apart that scar tissue on purpose, which meant I did have to continue moving and stretching and um, making sure that I was active on a daily basis. So because I consistently walked and hiked and incorporated those types of low level physical activities into my day, I was able to hold on to a relatively consistent level of insulin sensitivity, right? Obviously I had to take more insulin because I was no longer working out. I wasn't doing the intense exercises anymore, but using activity on a daily basis, that aerobic activity, right? That enabled me to still maintain a certain level, a baseline of insulin sensitivity. So my insulin needs didn't skyrocket. I did have to take a little bit more for my meals, right? My bolus ratio changed a little bit. But what I ended up seeing that the basal insulin, if you're on MDIs, is your long acting. If you're on a pump, your basal is the stuff that runs 24 seven, right? Uh, that didn't change a whole lot. And my theory is that it's because I consistently went for those aerobic exercises, the hikes, the walks, uh, that enabled me to hold on to that baseline. But as I reintroduced exercise, that's where things got tricky. And I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I was fully aware of it, but it still kind of catches you off guard because of the stark contrast from day before exercise to day after exercise to two days after exercise. So, you know, I built this consistent habit going for the walks that kept me stable. Reintroducing exercise day of felt great to move again, to incorporate muscle groups. I have resistance bands at home. So I was doing banded squats. I was doing push-ups, and oh my goodness, to recruit that muscle tissue that hadn't been used to that extent for over a month felt incredible. Oh my goodness. But I got to tell you, going into a new exercise routine, especially if you're not used to it, there's a risk for injury, right? You do not want to go into this with the mindset of, I'm going to go full out, do what the, the YouTubers are putting out on for their workouts, going to do a, a full Olympian thing. No, not necessary. Don't go do CrossFit for your first day back. It will destroy you. <laughs> so my rule for my clients is, hey, if you're new to exercise, I want you to cut the entire workout in half. That sounds pretty aggressive, right? It's like a half of a workout, I can do more than that. Come on, I'm not some person who hasn't worked out ever. No, but understand, your body is not used to that. Even for me, coming back from a month off, I'll tell you, getting into the workout, I did not want to do it. <laughs> I found it so difficult to start the exercises because I had gotten used to sitting at my desk. Going for walks was my activity. So the idea of actually incorporating muscle groups, that didn't sound fun. Once I started doing it, then it felt good. Then it felt great to move my body, but getting into it, the motivation was tough. Gotta be honest with you. So I understand that coming into a new exercise routine, you might find it difficult to get started. 
That's oftentimes the biggest hurdle that we encounter is getting started. Once you get started, the momentum starts to increase and you build new habits and those tend to build into concrete parts of your day that you don't want to give up and then it becomes part of your routine, right? But getting started, that's the tough part. So get started, do five squats, do 10 push-ups, do something to get your body moving and it will start to feel easier. Now, once I got into the exercises, I told you it felt great, but I cut it at that half point marker because I know from what I've taught, what I've learned, uh, that when you try and go for a full workout first day back, A, you're more prone to injuries because you feel great, but you might overwork yourself, overwork the muscle tissue. B, your insulin sensitivity might shoot through the roof <laughs> and it could be difficult to chase that. Uh, and lastly, you are going to be sore as heck the next day and the following day and the following day. <laughs> You don't want to be so sore that you can't get out of bed. So my first day back was a leg day. Felt great, a couple hours passed, I'm like, cool, I'm not even that sore, this is amazing. The next day, I woke up and it hurt to bend down, like to, to squat down to grab something off the floor. My glutes, my hamstrings, it hurt. I was so incredibly sore and I had forgotten how bad it gets when you're not used to that physical activity, right? So even cutting the workout in half, I still noticed I was incredibly sore for a couple days following the workout. Now, the next thing I wanna to mention to you guys, this is specifically for type one diabetics, right? Uh, we see a massive improvement in insulin sensitivity when we increase our overall exercise, our overall activity levels. This is a, a great point to remember when you're going for longer duration hikes that you're not used to. When you travel the world and you end up walking through a city for an entire day, that's outside of what you would normally do for exercise, right? You don't normally walk for eight hours straight. But when you're touring Paris, you're like, yeah, let's walk everywhere. I paid good money to get to this place. I wanna see the sights. And then of course, you go low. Throughout the day, throughout the night, the next day maybe. And it's this frustrating thing that it feels like it's mysterious, but it's really not. So what's going on behind the scenes is this. When you go for aerobic activity, like walking, running, hiking, you're more likely to drop in the moment, okay? And your insulin sensitivity is peaking over the next roughly 24-ish hours, maybe 48, but unlikely. When you do anaerobic activities, when you're recruiting muscle tissue, including resistance exercise, like weightlifting, you're more likely to see uh, insulin sensitivity peaking for 24 to 72 hours. So up to three days where you might require less insulin. However, in the moment, when you're lifting those super heavy weights, doing those intense exercises for anaerobic, you actually might notice a rise in blood sugars. Interesting, right? Now, with the exercises that I was doing, I was doing body weight exercises and I cut the exercises in half. So those were still mostly aerobic. They were incorporating muscle groups, but it was low resistance, more higher rep, right? I was doing lunges, I was doing body weight squats, um, I was just doing some ice skaters, more of the, uh, the low weight, higher rep type range, okay? I wasn't incorporating the resistance bands yet, took a couple days to get into that. Uh, I don't have barbells or dumbbells at home, so there were no heavy weights. So it wasn't quite anaerobic. Uh, and technically it wasn't aerobic by definition, but still caused a drop in blood sugars for me in that moment. Now what I noticed on days following, that night I anticipated a drop. What did I see? Nothing. I was like, what? Did I not work out hard enough? <laughs> Didn't see a drop, it stayed relatively stable, it was nice and smooth. I was like, okay, 
Guess there's not gonna be a big shift in insulin sensitivity here. Maybe I'm good to go. Maybe I need to work harder, right? The next day, lunch and dinner were nightmares. <laughs> I took my same dose as like, all right, I guess we're good to go, right? Uh, not gonna have much to talk about on the next podcast episode because it's all smooth. No. Took my bolus, saw an immediate drop. I went to eat and on my first bite, glanced at my CGM, my continuous glucose monitor, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> the blood left my face. I'm like, I'm dropping way too early. This insulin should not be hitting me yet, right? And of course, day two, I was exercising. So I exercised before lunch, went into lunch, started the pre-bolus, it was dropping before I even took my first bite. So I was like, shoot. Uh, dinner time rolls around. I, I anticipated that, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna reduce my pre-bolus, but maybe still take the same bolus, is that gonna work? Seemed to work pretty well at first. I stayed between 80 and 100 for the first hour, but right after the one hour marker, i.e. when your insulin begins to peak, right? Between an hour and an hour and a half is when Humalog tends to peak, it's when it's the strongest and it acts the fastest. Oh boy, <laughs> I ended up having to consume two full juice boxes. What? That's 40 grams of carbohydrates. Four zero. <laughs> 40 grams of carbohydrates via fast-acting sugar, and that still did not cause a massive spike. I still stayed in range, and it kept me from going severely low, and that's only because I kept a close eye on it. I was like, oh, I have a lot of insulin on board. Oh, oh, oh no, I'm dropping. Uh, juice box, now. <laughs> Quick, grab one. Uh, okay. It kind of, oh, nope, we're dropping again. Grab another juice box, right? And I ended up dipping down into the 50s. It was like, whoo, Nelly, let's not deal with that again. The following night, this is my first rest day. So I had workout day one, day two, rest day was day three. That night, for some reason, kept happening at night, which is interesting. Uh, most of us tend to be more insulin sensitive than anyways, but similar experience happened. I had my dinner, I reduced the bolus because I was like, there's no way I'm dealing with that again. Reduced the pre-bolus. So I had less insulin and I gave the insulin less time to work. So I was anticipating more of a spike. What happened? I stayed pretty stable, in range, about the one and a half hour marker. Made a little bit further, started to dip down again. I was like, okay, it's not a fast drop, but glucose tab, glucose tab, <laughs> glucose tab, up, oh, and we got it back up. But I still, I think I dipped into the 60s. I was like, oh. This is interesting. So something that I want you to walk away from this episode with is understanding that when you reincorporate exercise in your routine, even if it's the first time of your life, you need to understand there are a few basic principles that apply to all of us. One, motivation, very difficult, especially when starting a new task. You do not want to do the exercises. In most cases, our motivation for getting something done is the end result. And when you get started, that end result doesn't look as enticing. You're like, do I really care about losing weight? Is it really that important, right? Do I really care about improved insulin sensitivity? I could just take more insulin and not have to go work out. <laughs> you start to justify saying no, and it's this really interesting process. But motivation is doing something when you want, right? Determination is doing something that you don't want to do, but you know you need to do. So find the difference between the two. Understand you might not feel motivated and that's okay. Get your butt off off the couch, right? Like I had to do, I was watching TV and I was like looking at my watch like, ah, oh, I gotta work out right now. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to. And I had to force myself. I did not feel like doing it, but I knew it was good for me. 
I knew it's the desired result. I wanted to get back into shape, feel physically fit, improve my insulin sensitivity. So I forced myself to get off the couch and do half of a workout. Now this week, I've done a full week of half workouts. Now I'm moving back into my full workouts. And we're gonna see how that goes. I, I expect more insulin sensitivity again. Something I wanna mention here, uh, outside of the generic warnings of you're not gonna feel motivated, make sure you take it slow so you don't get injured, but insulin sensitivity alone is gonna be a big shift, right? Anytime you introduce a big shift into your life, into your daily routines, it could be a different diet, it could be different exercise types, it could be different sleeping patterns, expect to see different patterns in your blood sugar management. Keep an eye out for them. They're gonna be there. And if you can anticipate them before they happen, you will significantly reduce the frustration associated with those changes. So for me, I knew I was gonna require less insulin. So in a matter of two days, I was able to kind of recalculate, reposition, and go, okay, less insulin at certain times of the day. I noticed a drop A, B, and C times. I noticed that these two meals are getting kind of wonky. Let's make some adjustments, right? And I waited to see patterns. I didn't see that first day and go, okay, make changes. No, I waited day one, day two, day three. And on day three of seeing the same thing happening, that is when I made my changes. The, the magic rule of threes, right? If you've read my book, if you've been on my programs, you know three is the magic number. We look for patterns before we make changes, okay? Now, as a result, for me personally, this isn't gonna apply to you most likely, but I required exactly 10% less basal overall, but only for certain parts of the day, which is interesting. Overall nighttime didn't change a whole lot, but my morning, my midday, and my night all required 10% less insulin as I reintroduced exercise into my life. Reason being, my muscles are assisting with glucose, trans glucose transport, right? The muscles are hungry. They want that glucose to help repair muscle tissue that I've broken down. So they are pulling glucose out of the bloodstream and assisting insulin in that transportation of glucose out of the bloodstream. So as a result, I need less insulin because it's being helped by the muscle tissue. It's interesting, right? And that's why anaerobic exercise, the weightlifting especially, is so key for insulin sensitivity. So when I'm ready for that, I was able to make those changes, reduce by 10%, right? Small adjustments being made, and then go forward. And I've had perfect blood sugars all week. It's been incredible. I'm back into my norm. So as I increase exercise again this week, going from the half workout to a full workout, I expect I might need another small shift, right? Total basal, total bolus, what those ratios look like. So when you're more informed, when you understand what's going on behind the scenes, you can then experiment and see what's going on for you, right? Obviously we're all different. The 10% that I needed to shift, it's not gonna be the same for you. All of our diabetes are a little bit different. Our blood sugars react a little bit differently to different factors, different variables, right? So as a result, we have to experiment to find what's true for us. To understand leads into experimentation, which then leads into where we get the opportunity to predict where our blood sugars are going. And that is how we run our programs. That's exactly how we figure out your formula. Now, of course, there are more steps to it, and we have certain inputs that we test you through, right? We have frameworks that we walk you through on how to determine what your uh, predictability factors are within blood sugar management. So how do I know where my blood sugars are gonna end up after this type of workout or after this type of meal, right? But if you can understand and then walk through that experimentation phase, you unlock a whole new world of possibilities for blood sugar management. 
So if you're more interested about finding out how to predict your blood sugars using our 80-20 unique blood sugar formula, I want to give you a training that I did recently, give you access to that. So uh, if you want to understand more about what's going on behind the scenes, right? So I walk through the 10% basal reduction, exercise I anticipate will increase insulin sensitivity. The types of exercise will impact how my blood sugars are gonna respond. I want you to head over to a website that we have that's hosting that free training over at diabetesinaction.com. Okay, so on that training you're gonna see, it's about 50-ish minutes. I want you to grab a notepad, take some notes, I go over exercise, how to, to anticipate where your blood sugars are gonna go. I dip into our personalized macronutrient profile where we kind of talk about how to anticipate blood sugars through different meals. You don't have to feel restricted, right? I don't wanna give away too many of the secrets on that training, but head over to diabetesinaction.com right now. There's a new training going up shortly, uh, an updated version with even more goodies that we've got for you guys. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Remember to head over to that website ASAP, grab that training so you can start learning how to predict your blood sugars. And overall, make life just that much easier. All right, so head over to diabetesinaction.com. I'll see you there and keep up the fight.